Good morning. Thank you all for being here. My name is Angela Cooper, and I just want to welcome you to New Church Live. Pastor Chuck will be out in just a minute. Um, but I just wanted to let you know my role here is to connect everyone with the community and all the things that are happening behind the scenes. Um, and if you ever have a question about how to get involved or you have an idea for a program or something that you want to see happen, um, you can always put your information in the chat window or go to our website. We have a contact form there where you can um, fill up that out and it gets emailed directly to me. Or you can, um, like I said, put your information in the chat window and I will be sure to follow up with it and make sure that you feel connected. Oh, and the last thing I want to mention is we have our newsletter that comes out once a week. And if you go to our website, you can subscribe to that. Or if you can't find it, like I said, that contact form is a great way to just say, hey, sign me up for that. Um, and it comes out once a week. So we hope you will continue to get involved in all the things happening here at New Church Live. Um, the main thing I want to mention today is that we were coming up at the end of our fiscal year. So for those who don't know, our year, our fiscal year um, ends June 30th. Um, and we have roughly $50,000 left to go, which is actually quite amazing for this time of year. And somebody was mentioning that to me. They were like, wow, we're really doing, we're in pretty good shape. I mean, we have some room to make up. I don't want to discount that. But really, people have been signing up for reoccurring gifts, which has been really powerful in helping us kind of get ahead of the game and make sure that we have sustaining support for a new church live. Um, but we need your help getting to the finish line. And I truly believe we can get there. Um, and we are so appreciative of everyone who's donated so far. Um, but if you feel like you have some margin and you want to contribute, you can still do so. And like I said, every gift, every dollar makes a huge difference. Sometimes I get notes from people and saying, this is all I can give. I'm so sorry. Never apologize for the amount that you can contribute. It's small, sustaining gifts that get us there. So please, whatever you can give, however much, um, gets us over the finish line. So if you want to do that, you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977. That will take you to a place where you can set up a reoccurring gift or you can make an end of your gift um, or for any amount. Um, and you can set the duration um, and how much, how often. So I just would encourage anybody who's feeling like, wow, I don't know if I can, I can help. Whatever your amount makes a huge difference. Um, and if you're watching this, we need your support. So I just so appreciate it. It helps run everything here, the cameras, the live stream, the small groups, the community service outreach, and everything in between. So I hope you'll consider making a gift and get us to the finish line. Thanks, everyone. Here's Pastor Chuck. So great big good morning to everyone. I'm Senior Pastor Chuck Blair of New Church Live. Great to have you joining us, whether you're joining us live, whether you're joining us from for an archive service, whether you're joining us from Pennsylvania or California or Florida or overseas, it is great to have you here today. And so I have a few things I want to put out there in terms of, of exciting things we have coming up. First one is, you know, as, as this season of COVID that's been really hard, as it, as it starts to shift and, and hopefully draw to a close, we want to do a special one-off service on Sunday, June 6th. And the whole point of that service on Sunday, June 6th is really simple. To look at those parts that have been hard. And there's been many of them. To look at those parts as well where we can celebrate. And we're going to celebrate some of the volunteers who've helped us keep this going. That's going to be one of the things we celebrate in that section. 
and then to look at the future moving on for New Church Live. Because boy, <laughs> things, have things shifted. The church actually over this season of COVID has grown and we've grown online and we want to be able to 100% serve all our audiences, both the online, the in-person, the local, the not local. We want to be one church. To get ready for that service in a couple of Wednesdays, on Wednesday, May 26th, what we're going to do is we're going to have an online meeting. And for anyone who would like to join that, we want to welcome all your voices to that. And New Church Live, I think a real part, a real key to our success is this is that we absolutely rely on our congregation for everything we do. You are not blessed with an overly smart pastor. <laughs> what you are blessed with is someone who knows what he doesn't know, and he knows who knows it, which are his congregants. And so that's, again, where we want to welcome all those different voices, perspectives, some of which will, yeah, you know, we got to honor this because this was a really hard part. Yeah, we got to celebrate this because this was a really good part. And yeah, I want to hear about this where we're going in the future. So that will be, again, Wednesday, May 26th at 7 p.m. You'll see my number coming up in the text uh, as a text coming up shortly. And you'll be more than welcome to text me or put it in the comment section. We'll do a more full announcement next week. But I just wanted to let you know, sort of prime the pump. The other way to prime the pump is, is again, thinking about community. Church is not just content. And heaven forbid it ever becomes that. Church is much more about community, about a rich, grounded community that looks out there to connect and serve. A big part of that for us is our group that meets right after church called Coffee and Donuts, hosted out of Michigan. So we want to warmly invite you to join that after church. You'll be able to pick that up, you know, the link to that, either in the comment section on Facebook or the comment section on live stream as well. And with that, my dear friends, as our wonderful musicians come out, I want to welcome you to New Church Live. We have a great service ahead for you, a lot of great sharing, and hopefully you'll leave today feeling pretty good, feeling a little bit inspired. See you soon. Thank you. What a beautiful song. And that's what we hope to today is, you know, sing out a bit and, and look at life in its challenging parts and, and how do we sort of Find those pieces to celebrate within the challenges of it all. I, I love the idea, you know, that so much of this series is about reframing. You know, literally, how do we take lives that are normally framed this way and shift it over into li lives that are, sh are shaped, are framed this way? I mean, and, and, and the idea being like, when a little thing throws us off, it's amazing how it can just negatively frame our mind. I mean, even yesterday, just crazy, right? Our lawnmower broke. Now, in the scale of human catastrophe, how big is that? It's not that big. But I have in my mind all these worries, all these concerns, how will I get it off, will I spill gas in the back of my car, how expensive will it be, would it be better to just buy a new mower? Just crazy, because the mower broke. <laughs> so my life went from this, then kind of moment, to this, all worries and concerns. And then all the worries and concerns become the whole way I frame the day. Now, the reality is we can choose to do differently than that. We can choose to see beauty in each phase of life. We looked at this as, as, a, as an organizing paradigm last week where we said, okay, at which stage is the dandelion the most beautiful? And we looked at those, we said, look, you could, you could really pick any of those stages. 
Any of them are beautiful. And it's the same when we compare that to a beautiful family picture celebrating a baptism. Like everything has that, their particular beauty for that particular age and that particular stage. And what we have to do is we have to learn to shift our frame to see it. Comparison trap is not our friend in that endeavor. <laughs> we have to drop comparisons. We have to learn to shift frames as best we can. So what is it when we think about it? You know, what is it that, that with this shifting and why is it important? I, you know, I was thinking about the question again, what does God want for us? What does God want for us? And, and from the perspective of this particular denomination, what we believe it's pretty simple. God is out to create a heaven from the human race. And guess what? That's really good news. That means that every force is aligned, if we allow it, to pull us closer and closer to heaven. Closer and closer to our true selves, closer and closer to other people, closer and closer to God. That all those different circles, they all mutually reinforce each other. That's how the whole thing is set up, to get us there, to help us become that more and more. And yet, we do have battles. I mean, as we're shifting the frame, we're trying to shift the frame from here to here. As we shift that, it's, it's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, as I reminded a couple, and, and I've said this in here before, but it's really important. Like, like so much of the shift from here to here is our life's work and our life's story. No story is any good until it has challenges. Think about that. No movie is any good until it has a challenge in it. Same for stories, same for movies, same for our lives. And how is it that that, that shift can, can take place? Well, part of it is understanding that, that we do have a struggle, like a constant struggle. And I want to sort of look at one particular struggle, and I was thinking about this one, and, and thinking about like how, yeah, each age has its blessings, right? Each age, when we look at that picture of that family, like each age has its blessings, each phase of being a dandelion has its blessings. And each phase has a particular challenge. Now, I wanted to hear from you, our audience, on this. And again, most folks will join us archived, and you're more than welcome to send in an archived answer to me as well, which is this question. What is the particular battle around loneliness at your age or stage? What is the particular battle around loneliness at your age or stage? And what got me thinking about this was on a phone call with my sister, and she said, yeah, you know what, I'm finding these middle years, you know, big surprise, I'm middle-aged too, uh, you know, these middle years have a unique loneliness to them. And I think probably every era of life does. So what I would love for you to do is to share with me, what is the particular battle around loneliness at your age or stage? Please take 60 seconds and answer that, you can text it into me, or you can just put it in the chat on live stream or Facebook, and the monitors will, will, will make some notes around that as well. So, so please share, what is the particular battle around loneliness at your age or stage? 60 second timer is gonna come up.
Thank you folks very much. And we'll be coming back to those answers, uh, you know, with Battle of Loneliness. I just got a fun one from a father down south who said, my battle isn't loneliness. I have a two and three year old at home. <laughs> so I thought that was really well said. So again, feel free to just text those answers. I'll be taking a look at them when we do our middle song and then coming back. So, so a lot, folks, is, is, is a challenge, I think, that is really, really poignant. And it's one I had a great conversation with a friend who's just near and dear to my heart. And she came in to talk about some things. And we were talking about this, like how much we struggle with enough and belonging. Right? So, so we have these particular stage battles around loneliness where it's hard to believe that there's a blessing in this age or this stage because it can just have a loneliness where we can get kind of stuck there a little bit. At least I can. And, and it also can engender like this question like, am I enough? And how's that connected to belonging? And, and I would say those, those two are actually together. When we don't feel like enough... It is awfully hard to feel like we belong. I certainly know lots of people who don't feel like they're enough in their families even. And it's hard to feel like you even belong in your family when you never feel like you're enough of fill in the blank. And the flip of that is true. I mean, folks, I, I go to a lot of different events, uh, weddings, baptisms, memorial services, all house blessing actually today down at the shore for Maria. And, and a lot of those, right, if, if, if we enter a place, at least if you're like me, if you enter a place and you feel like you don't belong, well, instantly then comes this thought, you don't belong because you're not enough. It becomes a doom loop of sorts. It's awfully hard to break out of. And I wish this, you know, I wish this. I wish when I questioned whether I was enough, and more importantly, when someone asked me about it, like, how do I feel enough? I never feel enough. I wish there was an easy answer to that. I wish I could just say, you're enough. And they'd go like, I am, and march out of the office with a big smile. It's not how it works. I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard question. And oftentimes, it's a question that goes way back. I know when I'm in that place, there's, there's not an easy answer to it at all. So how do we start to pull that apart? How do we start to move? Because I, I think if we're going to move from this frame to this frame, use the prop again, if we're going to move from this to this, we have to understand how some of these questions, where's loneliness show up? How do I handle? Am I enough? Do I belong? We have to be able to answer some of those questions in some form, or else we just won't be able to shift the frame. Now, candidly, part of that might be dropping sort of parts of the question, but, but part of it might be understanding our sort of place in life. And I'm using that word very deliberately. I want to say that again. Place. It might be understanding our place in life a little differently seeing it in, in new ways that may help us to, to feel more, more centered and more calm around these questions. Because the destiny that God wants for us is not to be mired in loneliness. It's not the destiny he has for us. So what I want to do is I want to look at a, look at a passage, and I preached on this passage a couple of years ago, but it, but it seems so germane to this question that I want to come back to it. Because it's... it's it's, it's incredibly important in terms of like, yeah, this, this puts me in a certain place. This place is my human experience. And this connects me to God. 
And you'll see, and I'll come back to this, I'll reinforce it a number of times. It's this passage taking as, taken as a whole and taking some of the, the new church theology around it seems to say that we'll have peace when we understand that we do belong and that we are enough and that that goes back to how we see God. I mean, just think, do any of us really believe that God is sitting there thinking, well, you know, sorry, but you're not enough. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I think that's the exact opposite of the way God thinks. So let's take a look and try to like pull this apart by looking at this passage from, from John 15. And there's a number of parts in here that I'm going to comment on as I, as I read through it. If you read through, through it at home, this is the uh, John 15 one through nine, and we're going to be talking about three themes in this, the themes of pruning, humility, and fruitfulness. So to start it, I am the true vine, this is Jesus talking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now that's really important. It's easy to kind of see God as sort of up there and this angry God, and here's this thing, it's like, no, God's, th those things that aren't productive, God is going to remove. And here's Jesus saying, he's removing them from me. And here we think of that being his higher self, his highest God self, saying, yeah, there's parts that aren't fruitful. Got to get rid of them. Got to get rid of them. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so he cuts it back, so it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. The beautiful place, right? You just think about that placement, right? That, that puts us in a certain place. Like Jesus, God with sandals, saying, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. That idea that if, if we're cut off from source, we're going to struggle. I am the vine. You are the branches. I am the vine. You are the branches. Now, again, folks, there's humility there, right? I'm the vine, you're the branches. Not, I mean, the only thing you would notice in a vineyard is the fruit. Nobody goes to a vineyard to look at the vines. <laughs> but that humility is empowering. We'll talk about that some more in a second. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Notice the fruitfulness, it's just a given. You will do it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. In other words, they just become part of this cycle of growth again. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory. Now, I love, I'll come back to this word too. Like, always important to look up the word. This is my Father's glory. This is God's glory. The actual, one way you could define that is celebration. That fruitfulness is actually a celebration that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, my followers, my students. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. A beautiful line there. So I want to talk about, about a little bit about what this, what this means here, folks. So it's, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine, right? It's hard to imagine that pruning shears are a growth tool. Right? Just think of that for a minute. The pruning shears, this is actually a tool that will get us to this. 
So I decided to sort of geek out a little bit and, and look like, how does pruning work at a vineyard? Well, the way pruning works at a vineyard is they cut back a vine. They cut back 90% on average of new growth every year. So you end up with something that looks a little bit like this. Think about that, right? It's cut back 90%. It's cut back 90%. Those, those parts that are cut back, and they're cut back so that growth can occur. So that we can actually be more fruitful. Even though in the short term, it may well not look that way. Now, I am not kidding you folks when I share this next line. So I, I'm looking up vineyards and how vine dressers do this, you know, cutting back. And the one author had a great one. He said, the grapevine, listen to this, and it's a, it's a great line. It's a great, you can't make this stuff up. It is a great line when you see that, that here's Jesus comparing himself to the vine. It, the, the, the wine dresser was saying, yeah, you know, the grape vine, it is vigorous and forgiving. I, that's really good, right? The idea that this is, this is a vine that is, that is literally filled with life. It's vigorous. And it's forgiving. It's forgiving of all those parts that need cut back, that need shifted. And then what we find there is a humility as well, a pruning and then a humility. And think of the pruning as a quieting, not as amputation, <laughs> not as amputation, please. It's a quieting. Our lives get all out here in all these tangled messes, all these tangled worries from things as pointless as a lawnmower breaking down to as big as some of the big issues we're wrestling with as a country and a community. And this pruning is about slowly pulling that back, quieting that down. I mean, you don't engage in these issues or take care of business with these issues, no, but it's, but it's a much deeper form of quieting. And when we come to that quieter place, we start to sense the humility of God. And humility that we are to reflect out there into the world. Now, as the musicians come out here for the middle song, I want you to really listen to this song. Because this song is about a quieting that helps us to do something real important. It helps us to understand our true beauty even more. It's not cutting us down because we're really flawed and all that. It's about cutting us down so we can come back to that core that beautiful core that is enough, that belongs, and that is deeply beautiful. I can't help but saying that was beautiful. I'm like, that was beautiful. What a beautiful song. And, and you know, and that, that piece, folks, are coming back. And I want to say, I'm going to say this a couple of times, right? Like, the responses you folks gave were, as always, you know, so the wording, the... The, the honest sentiments, it's just, it's just amazing to read it. And I think it's, it's a challenge, right? Because, because we're caught. We, we struggle with this loneliness. We struggle constantly with not feeling enough and not feeling like we belong. And we work at trying to like allow ourselves to see ourselves within a certain place. And, and folks, I guess I want to say it this way. It's a life's work. 
It's a life's work. We live in sort of an Instagram culture that, that might make us feel like there's just, there's this one thing that can happen and then all of a sudden like that, those things all shift. I, I certainly haven't found that to be true. It's this constant back and forth, old frame, new frame, old frame, new frame, old frame, new frame. I've only known really a, a handful, a barest handful of people I feel really live in the new frame 24-7, just a handful. Some of you have met people like Eva Kaur, but most of us don't. So, so as you're listening to this and as you're thinking about this service, just, just hold that very tenderly, right? Hold it with yourself, hold it with other people, with your community, with your relationships, with it all. So... With that, I, I do want to share some of these because they were, they were so good, um, really, really good. And again, I, I can never share all of them, but I will share some of them here and, and just some really insightful ones. Just heard a speech by an 85-year-old. He was talking about what happens when fruit or a flower buds and blooms before the, set, before the stem has a chance to be strengthened by wind and weather. As a gardener, he says, it has to be clipped back in order to give the branch time to strengthen. Oh, that's good. Once the branch has had the time to strengthen, it's more capable of bearing the weight of new fruit. Did not know that, and that is beautiful. In terms of loneliness, this is a beautiful reflection someone sent in. The loneliness is deep. It's so hard to meet people at this age. You no longer have the organic ways of meeting people that you're used to. Your kids are older and don't need your time as much. I find myself feeling useless, disconnected, and like other people have already filled the gaps in their lives that I might have filled if I had met them earlier. Beautifully said. In terms of where this loneliness is, is, uh, is centered, I love this observation. I am in my head, a dangerous place to be versus being in my heart. I think we all fall into the grass is greener syndrome. I will be happier when. When you have children, those in your friendship group that don't can seem to drift away because they're in a different stage of life with different priorities. And no, that's okay and understandable, can make us feel isolated and left out. That's written from a young man, or a young mom, excuse me. Approaching middle age with kids, many close friends have moved away. Those of us who are around have competing schedules with kids, so finding time to connect at the soul level leads to profound loneliness. We send smoke signals to indicate we are in the same place, but it's not the same as chatting for hours about life, love, and the meaning of it all. Accepting people I love dearly who have passed on. Yeah, that's a big one. The house is lonely without our kids. They grew up. We're about to hit that. Simple awareness of how you cannot recapture the past, only reconcile to be closer to others moving forward. That's beautiful. Empty nest, ending a career, losing family members. My battle is finding the energy to do something about it, though I'm fortunate to not have that feeling very often. And the final one, battle with loneliness, that it may be self-inflicted. Now, I want you guys to hear that, and it was all so beautiful, and I just, I so want to honor what, what you folks share. Like, here's the advantage, just a little aside, like, here's the advantage sharing that. Do you realize every time you share something like that, there's somebody who might be watching this service on Wednesday, and they're going to listen to that, and they're going to feel a little less lonely. 
they're going to feel like somebody gets their experience. They're going to feel seen and heard. I mean, that's the beauty of when we share. Yes, it's authentic to us. So important, incredibly beautiful. And when we share authentically, it will always be an authentic sharing, an authentic connection with someone else, including those we may never meet and we may never know. So let's keep going with this, right? So we have this loneliness that's a battle. And, and folks, again, I, I want to say, like from what the young mom wrote to what, what uh, you know, some of the folks who are seeing kids leave the house wrote, you know, it's, 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 it's just, this shift is always going to be hard. It's, 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 there's always going to be a battle of loneliness. It's, it's easy, I think, to believe that, you know, when I'm 56, I'm not going to be lonely anymore. I don't think that's how it works. I think it just changes maybe a bit. And how can we understand that and just hold that as an is? Like, I'm not going to fight it. It just is just an is. There's a piece of loneliness here to my life. And then just, just even withholding it, it's so hard to get words around this. Even withholding it, just to go like, yeah, that is part of life, and I'm going to continue to move on. Because maybe, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something here. And that something here is fruitfulness. We talked about pruning. We talked about humility. Now we're talking about part three, fruitfulness. Isn't it interesting, right, that, that we do this? You know, we kind of step forward and we do this, and, and, and we allow that pruning to take place. And I don't know if allowing is the right word. Maybe it's just, it's going to take place. You know, things get cut back. Our lives, we, we find our lives contracting sometimes, sometimes choosing to, sometimes not. But there's, there's definitely a quieting there. Many times. There's, there's this quieting. And this, this quieting, folks, is what actually allows a certain fruitfulness to then grow. Isn't that interesting, right? So, so with, this, with this idea of, of fruitfulness and how, how, that, how that works, what's interesting about the fruitfulness to me is, is one, it's, it's, it's not even like the vine or the branch. It's, it's what both are trying to do together. It's about this fruitfulness that, this, that they're, trying to, they're trying to align so, so something fruitful occurs. And this fruitfulness, when we get to this fruitfulness part, that, is, as, as John 15 says, you know, that is the glory of God. Flip the word, as I said, like celebration, like that is God's celebration. When things are aligned and there's fruitfulness, that's what God celebrates. That's such a different view than the, than the idea of like, what God celebrates is the fact that you need cut back. <laughs> you need the, the heck pruned out of you. You need, you need to, be, to be wildly manicured because you're no good as you are. Jonathan Edwards, 1700s. A quote, just heard somebody quote it last week. His view of God was, we are sinners in the hands of an angry God. Nothing, my friends, could be further from the truth. Please listen. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. 
nothing could be further from the truth. God's whole point is, is that we can align so that there is this fruitfulness. And I, I love like with this fruitfulness, you know, Jesus is going, yeah, and you will bear fruit. It's not like when you get aligned, you have to be like, please God, let me be fruitful, let me be fruitful. No, it's, it's going to take care of itself. It's an inevitable outcome of getting things lined up in the right way. Now, Galatians lists them, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are, the, those are the, the inevitable fruits of it. And, and I think that there's a fruit there, right? Where it's, where it's yeah, it's, it's a fruit, of course. Of course, you have these fruits of the Spirit, like joy and peace. But, but with these fruits, it's, it's a gift. It starts to really work when we learn to give it beyond ourselves, right? Grapes are great, and they're meant to be picked. <laughs> they're meant to be turned into wine. Raisins, if you like. But, but they're there so something can be done with that fruit. It's moving beyond itself. Nobody grows a vegetable garden and just says, look, no picking. We grow it because, because we want to celebrate that fruitfulness. We want to put it, to put it within a, a Swedenborgian perspective, we want to put it within a certain God-given use. What is the usefulness here? What's the service that it can render? And what can happen? And, and this, is, this is big, and I, it's sort of a, a throwaway line, and we could do a whole sermon on it. I'm not going to do that, but, but I think it's really important. What we start to see, when we start to see this way this alignment works, is that we start to hold God in a new way. And when we start to hold God in a new way, we understand we're held. When we start to hold God in a new way, we start to understand that we're held. You can't go anywhere without being held. Are we asleep to that 95% of the time? Yes. Can we awake to the reality of that we are held? Yes. And when we do that, folks, we start to come to understand the presence of God, the, our, understand God's presence in a brand new way. This is a paraphrase from the book, Secrets of Heaven. People's perception of God's presence shapes the amount of peace they enjoy. Those who perceive God's presence feel that every single thing that happens to them leads them towards what is good, a place where evil can't touch them. And what do they find there? They find the bliss that joy brings. I, I love those lines. You can see, folks, like, if I have a certain idea of, of the presence of God, that will shape a certain peacefulness around my life. And maybe that level of peacefulness or the lack thereof, and I'm talking at the soul level, I'm not talking our normal sort of day-to-day -day worries. I'm talking when you get to the core. Maybe that peacefulness points to, to how we hold God's presence. If I hold God's presence, Jonathan Edwards wise, sinners in the hands of an angry God, which he is dangling above hell, 
I'm not going to find much peace. About the only peace I might be able to find, and I've seen this sadly, is that, thank goodness, I am this, because I get it, and God's gonna, this angry God is going to save me while the rest of the world burns. That's a strange form of peace I do not recommend. <laughs> but there's a different peace. Shalom, which we talk about a lot in here. A shalom that holds that God's presence is always present that we are always held, that our job is as best we can is to align, knowing that in some seasons, again, that, that great picture of the vineyard that's all cut back, sometimes life will look and feel just like that. Sometimes life will look and feel just like that. What comes out of folks, I think, when we start to... to, to to reframe kind of the presence of God, when we start to reframe that, a number of shifts start to happen. What do we start to see? Well, well, I think our frame, and this is like big sort of esoteric stuff, like our frame was here, and then it moves to here, and, it, and we want to see that shift, and I think what we start to see is we actually start to see a frame that actually is big enough for both. It's actually able to hold both. Much more empowered place to be. And then we also start to see things as they are. That we live in a universe created from love. It's not perfect. It has a lot of sharp edges. And the core truth of it all is this. We live in a universe created from love. So as you're driving today, as you're walking today, whatever you are doing today, just for a minute, allow that to just sink in, that, that I am living, <coughs> excuse me, challenges and all, in a universe that is created from love. Excuse me, folks, let me cough for a second. And... A universe created with a lot of pollen as well. And what do we start to hear, my friends? What do we start to hear? We start to hear the sound of the gender. Let me cough one more. We start to hear the sound of the genuine. Now that sound of the genuine is, is so important, right? And, and sort of like hold this up against our challenges around feeling like enough, feeling like belonging, understanding all of us are battling all these stages and ages that have loneliness as part of them. And take a look at this beautiful line. I, this is, by the way, this is Howard Thurman. This was the guy who Martin Luther King said, I got all my good ideas from, pastor. I am secure because I hear the sound of the genuine in myself. Stop there for a second. Let's just take a breath right there. I hear the sound of the genuine in myself. We don't hear it often, but we do hear it on occasion. That's what this is talking about. 
And having learned to listen to that, to the sound of the genuine in myself, by the way, which is where you'll hear the voice of God, I can become quiet enough, still enough, to hear the sound of the genuine in you. If we look at pruning, if we look at that cutting back, as being a way our lives are quieted often, I think we can see how that gets us to this quieter place where we can actually hear the sound of the genuine. In ourselves. And once we can hear the sound of the genuine in ourselves, we can start to hear the sound of the genuine in other people. And the frame is pretty big there. It's a frame that can say, yeah, you know, the sound of the genuine for me today is I feel feel it in this centered place. Some days even that may still have these elements of like, I don't feel like enough. I don't feel like I belong. But if you're coming from that place of the sound of the genuine, you'll be able to share that and you'll be able to share it from the sound of the genuine that someone else is able to hear too. You see that? They're able to hear that too. They're able to understand it. They're able to connect with it. And that answers in some strange way the enough and belonging question. Not with a logical answer, but more with a song. Not with a logical answer, but more with a song. Now, do I get a chance to hear this on occasion? Absolutely. I want to share with you a picture here of roses. Now, with this picture of of roses, folks, I I had the beautiful chance to to do a wedding yesterday, and and this couple did something in a wedding I'd never seen done before. What what they did, uh, and I've seen people do just about everything as part of a wedding, what Allie and Mike decided to do was they had a big pile of roses up front. And everybody in the wedding party, and parents and three grandparents, uh, they, they each came up one at a time, they held up a rose, and they said, I would like to bless your marriage with. And they put the rose in the vase. And what was, what was so incredible? Oh, you are the best. Thank you. Mark gets five extra credit points for getting water to the pastor. Thank you, Mark. Folks, one of, the, one of the beautiful parts of that, that idea of roses, right? So, so I work really hard on wedding charges. I, I want them to just sing for these couples. But you know what? That wasn't where the sound of the genuine was. So where was the sound of the genuine? The sound of the genuine. Watching Allie's mom, just so tearful. So in love with her daughter and her new husband. The sound of the genuine was Grandpa Tom saying, I want to bless your marriage with fun. Beautiful part of that was Tom's wife had passed and they had taken the gold from her engagement ring and her wedding ring and the diamond and had turned it into Allie's engagement ring. And then, of course, there was the grandma of the bride. And the grandma of the bride said something beautiful. She said in a very heavily accented voice, she said, you will take care of my granddaughter. (laughs) You have to love that kind of comment as well. See, folks, that's the sound of the genuine. 
And when people hear it, they know it and they're moved and they don't even know why they're moved. They just know it because it's authentic and it's genuine and it's, and it's this sound that we can respond to. And folks, you ready for this? The sound of the genuine? That's a good life. That's a good life. Let's try this week the sound of the genuine, living in that place, aligning our lives that way, and remembering that yes, this, this is a good life. Amen. What we're going to do now, my friends, is we're going to do a prayer. And then I'm going to offer the Our Father prayer and then a blessing. And then we have a wonderful song just to remind us how important it is to live. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you, as always, for this amazing congregation. Thank you for all those who are joining us live and archived, all those who are joining us in person, and all those joining us throughout. And Lord, what we ask is to hear that sound of the genuine, to hear it in ourselves. And maybe you can be quiet enough to maybe start to hear it in others, knowing that that is where healing begins. That is where fruitfulness might start to take place. Align us, Lord. Maybe even prune us a little. <laughs> but help us to go forth with joy. The joy that knowing that we are held and that we are loved and we are always enough and that we always belong to you. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And a final blessing, the Levitican blessing, 2,000 years old. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen.